you, you uh, actually you need to dial it down a bit because you're you're too loud. You have to start again. I, I couldn't out. hear your opener. Yeah, yeah. cutting it out. You've you oh, last, last night really. Hello, didn't it? Fucking hell! <laughs> well, everyone, shut up. Hello and welcome to Stramash, the Scottish NFL podcast. This is episode 220. The divisional round is done. We're looking ahead to championship weekend. Eight teams have become four. Four will become two. Two will become one. That's the last Spice Girls reference I hope we'll do tonight. Joining me for this one, we have Ian Stephen. We have Gordon McGuinness. We have Charles Parson. Oh, good evening, gentlemen. Uh, a scintillating weekend that we'll get to in a minute. But before that, there's obviously been some less good news on our front. Ian, do you want to just lay the, the foundations upon what's been transpiring over the last 24 hours? Yeah, basically after months of quite a lot of hard work and organising and shelling out of wads of cash... Um, for 40 photographs that I'll never use or get the money back for, etc., etc. We get the bad news that our special guest for this weekend has decided that his interests lie elsewhere. Um, so he will be coming over to Scotland this weekend and we won't be having our two live shows. Uh, unfortunately, we won't be having Jeff up. Either because I've had to effectively refund everybody's tickets. Um, we will still be having a live event though on Sunday. We'll still be having a watch along with the AFC and NFC Championship games, but it will be without a special guest of NFL caliber. Um, yes, there'll be special guests, they just won't be of NFL caliber. Um, ultimately. I think I speak for the rest of us. Ian is putting an awful lot of work to try and make this happen. Um, an absolutely shit outcome outside of your control. Um, we will speak more on it later, but for now, all we have to do is say sorry to the people that were planning to come along, especially those that were coming to Glasgow. Um, we we're very excited to be coming back to Glasgow. We we're excited to have Dante. We we're excited to have Jeff. We will try and do something at some point. If you want to come through to Edinburgh on Sunday and join us, please do. Um, tickets have gone on sale tonight. Uh, reduced price for these, obviously, because it's uh, one of our events now. There will be some of our usual banter in the room. There will be a whole load of bottles of whiskey that we're going to give away on the night. There's going to be a raffle with some prizes. There's going to be football. We're going to get the people in the room engaged in this. Uh, already a whole load of tickets have gone for that, so that's great. Hopefully, we'll have can, a pub full of I, NFL fans. So, yeah. Can I have a? Can I ask a question, Cameron? Uh, on the night on Sunday, will your nipples be as large and prominently on display as they are just now? Um, maybe not as large, but every bit as prominent as they are. Um, like you can cut glass with them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to glass. react to that. Don't do that. No, no, this is a visual treat, uh, listeners. Dear goodness. Can we get on and talk about the football? Some of us have got work to do. Right. Well, so with with the with the alterations the, the weekend's events, is Gordon still going to dress as Debbie Downer? I, I actually don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through. Oh, wow. Nevermore. 
Jesus <laughs> Christ. Well, like, there's quite a lot going on at work. And it's All right. Oh, that sounds like my excuse. There's only two That's... games on. This should be easier. Dear me. Wait. People uh... pulling out left, right and centre here. I'll be there. I'll be there. Don't you worry if you want to lob uh, grenades at me for continuing to back the, the Green Bay Packers despite their ineptitude, then I'll be there to be shot at. I'll be there. Mitchell will, Mitchell will be there. Eno will be there. Uh, Jamie Bothwick will be there. The whole team garden for you. So we'll work on that. Get on Twitter. Um, at Who PFF should garden. replace Gordon? Hashtag nevermore. Tell me he's a prick and he's just the other side of the M8. Get along, you lazy cow. Right. Um, on to the divisional rounds. And let's start off with a bit of a conversation before we get into this. Because the, before the games, an awful lot of hype. A lot of people putting polls on the internet, which, by the way, is about 90% of NFL content these days. And it's a bit pish. Leave the polls alone, guys. They're boring and nobody engages. I know. But- they, they get a kick in in 1939 and they're still recovering. Yeah, <laughs> good. Right. We've started off with the World War II joke. Um, so, the um, you've put me off a fucking thread. Right. Polls. Yes. So um, a lot about what is the best weekend in football. Is it week one? Is it Thanksgiving? Or is it the divisional round? Well, Thanksgiving is not a weekend for a start. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Week, week, week in football. No. Controversial opinion. Uh, It probably depends on how good the games are in any given bloody year. But I, so I think... For me, divisional. Uh, okay, fine. This is a loaded question. D- divisional, me, divisional, quite often is, but the divisional games this week were pretty poor, to be honest. Yes, divisional can be great, but I feel it's been poor for the last couple of years, and I think that the wild card round for me is way better. The wild card round is more like that. You've got more of the teams that really have edged in, have got nothing to lose, and they just go for it. And there's an opportunity for an upset, right? So I just feel there's more than. Um, tantalizing football on display than there is at divisionals. Things start to get a little bit cagey. Um, you know, and, and then you find the championship games that reverts a little bit. Anyway. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Buffalo beat uh, Buffalo lost to Kansas City last year, probably the greatest divisional round game of all time. So we can't really say that g- divisional games generally haven't been that good. It D- comes down exactly also- to what Gordon was saying. The quality of the teams on display if they're playing at their peak and whether or not they produce it on the day. And I think, frankly, there were four teams that are deserving to be in the championship game because they comprehensively, for the most part, outplayed their opponents last weekend. I think that's as simple as that. I thought the quality of a lot of the play was really good. It's yeah, just that I, they weren't close and dramatic. Yeah, yes. and it was it was one of those weekends where teams got a little too far behind and weren't able to kind of rebound and recover. Yes. Uh, no, totally. I get that. Um, you I just, were a bit of a dune monger on our WhatsApp group, let's be honest. You were blaming the snow. You were moaning about the first two games on the Saturday going, and then you were being miserable about the final game because you had a vested interest in it and you thought the Cowboys <laughs> were going to win. So, frankly, listening to your chat over the weekend wasn't particularly enamoring uh, about hang it. Hang on. We, we do need to acknowledge this, though. Cameron, you are... As much as it's been suggested that I dress up as Debbie Downer, Cameron, you are the most negative fan of your own teams. And it basically never actually serves you well at all. But it might have done this week a little bit. Mm. 
It might have done this week a little bit, but we're, we're crossing sports here. We'll not go into this. <laughs> we'll not go into this. Um, That's right, because it's a topic you're not allowed to discuss on this podcast. Indeed. <laughs> so we'll just move on swiftly. Um, on the dandies. So, yes. Um, <laughs> four figures, uh, pretty much, which is whether you can say for Aberdeen defence. There's not really one figure between the lot of them. Right, there's enough of that chat. Um Let's kick off then with the first game that got us underway. The Kansas City Chiefs, Jacksonville Jaguars. Chiefs come out on top. Chad Henney, <laughs> the fantastic introduction to the postseason. Uh, Henney comes. Not really. The ball he did it two years ago as well. So, Oh, did he? He came in and took out Baker Mayfield, remember, two years ago in the divisional round. Oh, so. Yeah. When when Mahomes went out with a concussion, so Chad Henney's got form. So I had completely forgotten about great that. Great pace to have a good backup, right. doesn't it? But um, let's go to that game though in particular because when Mahomes took that injury, I think there was a lot of hobbling um, going on. He definitely couldn't stand on his leg. Was clearly furious to be taken out of the game at all, um, and then came back in in the second half. Still didn't look particularly mobile. Was it the right call for him to do that, do we think? Or has yes. he risked his fitness think, for what is a bigger game this weekend? I think yes. all around all around the world you had people in their living rooms trying to replicate that injury by the inside of the ankle turning. Because every time majority of the time people hurt their ankle, it's the outside of the ankle that turns. I did it myself, tore all the ligaments of my ankle. You know exactly then what your mobility is. I think everybody in dear off the planet's turned her ankle at some point but nobody turns it inwards so I think everybody's sitting at home trying to contort, trying to replicate what it is that he must be going through to try and understand the limits of Mahomes's uh, mobility. It was a very good point that was made in the commentary about the fact that adrenaline's firing through him at the moment and that's why you're shouting at the coaches like I can still play but the coaches are also and especially the medical staff are thinking ahead because the more he plays on it, the more damage he can possibly do to it. And the question is not so much about how he was finishing the game for the Chiefs, but how he's going to be this week and then starting the game um, at the weekend. He's going to be immobile for most of the week. He's going to be in a boatload of pain. If he gets flushed with painkillers, if you put painkillers in your system, the, the type that they use in the NFL, it's got a derogatory effect on your mental cognizance. So he's not going to be able to process mentally as well as he could. He's not going to be able to practice as, as well as he wants. Not going to be, he might not even be able to literally stand there and pretend to hand the ball off and, and reps. So it's such a difficult situation for the, the Chiefs to manage. It's a situation that Andy Reid's had in the past. He'd McNabb getting injured at various points when he was with the Eagles. So it's something that they can look towards. But you can see that the, the odds have shifted dramatically from the Chiefs being the overwhelming favourite in the AFC to the Bengals now looking like they may be the, the side that are favoured going into this weekend. The tough thing with it as well, so from what I could see from uh, some of the kind of sports doctors you see floating around on Twitter, not different from Twitter doctors, the ones who immediately... Are absolutely certain. Although, so, sorry, I, God, God, I need to call I, myself I, out on that. I'm, in I'm, our... inter I'm interrupting you, Gordon. And I apologise for this, but I love the fact that 
the Dallas Cowboys doctor, even though that the Cowboys were playing miles away from Texas, he still had like a ten gallon hat on on the sidelines. Did you see him this I did weekend? Not. That's incredible. So anytime he was on the he was on the field, he's still walking around looking like he should be out drilling for oil <laughs> with Barnes and Jr. Um, I, I love just the stereotyping of uh, I'm a Texas doctor with the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I think I think you hurt yourself there, son. <laughs> Sorry, continue, God. Anyway, uh, so um, apparently the like with an ankle sprain like that. Like the immediate thing that happens is the swelling comes up. So him getting painkillers and allows him to still play. But then what happens after that is the swelling starts to go down and then you no longer have any kind of support and stuff there for it. So that's where why people seem to be concerned. The way the betting lines have moved suggests that the people who set lines are not that confident that he plays at this point in time. Do you think the, the line still looks pretty close, right? It's a 1.5 swing, although the Bengals are the favourites. I, I think it suggests that he plays, but he maybe isn't 100%. Should the Bengals not have been favourites anyway? Uh, probably not, no. I don't think so. With a fully healthy Mahomes, don't get me wrong. The Bengals, Bengals have beaten them the last three times. Yeah, quite, the, be- the Bengals quite are easily more, as well. The Bengals are more than capable of winning this game, even if Mahomes is fully healthy. But I, I don't think you would make them the favourites. Mm. Uh, given that, that it's, given that it's at Arrowhead, yeah, I think it would have been a coin flip. They won at Arrowhead last year, but anyway, we can talk about that later on. I, I, I have to say, you've got to trust the judgment a little bit of the player. Uh, especially someone who's now, he's not a kid anymore. He's year six, he's experienced and he knows his own body. And if it was a regular season game, you overrule it. This is the playoffs. Fair enough. You're paying him a boatload of money. But at the end of the day, if he thinks he's in, he's okay to be in there and you make, you, 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 if you're the head coach and you adjudicate on that and you can see that he, he was hobbling, he's no way fit. I think it was the right call to keep him in there actually, and put him back in there personally because he was able to play on it, albeit limited. Chad Henney I, I, came I, I, up. Came, also, Chad, Henney, Chad Henney drove for 98 yards and threw for a touchdown. Brilliant. But would he have been able to do that for the whole game? No. Questionable. I, I, and also, like, from everything we can tell, it's not the type of injury whereby you're doing yourself any more damage and stuff, and he certainly doesn't appear to have done any more damage. No. I do. I think you're right. Like, when it comes to... I do think you need to kind of put your trust in the player provided it's not anything head related if it's anything head related yes. I don't want to hear anything about the player having much say in that at all but like ankle injury yeah like if the player thinks they can go and I also think the Chiefs I, I don't think the Chiefs were doing reckless with this I think they probably like they took him out of the game yes he wanted to go back in but they probably tested him out a little bit before he went back in. The, the way in which the Chiefs played that game as well. And remember that this Chiefs offense has completely changed um, this year. There's no Tyreek Hill. They are, are scheming up so um, imaginatively and they're getting Travis Kelsey open at every opportunity. I don't think Mahomes had dead. to... I don't think they had to... You know, He didn't have to throw a deep ball, thus putting extra emphasis on the throwing action and thus putting extra pressure on the ankle. I don't think he had to throw more than 25 yards at all. So they played around the injury a little bit as well. Uh, although the, the, I think the, the the jump pass to Valdez Scantling for the touchdown on a dodgy ankle, 
There's no, I don't think there's a, there's probably only one other quarterback at the moment that could do that, and that might have been Josh Allen, but what, it's just he's a, he's a freak, Mahomes. He's fantastically what, freaky. What's going to be really interesting, provided he does play, is um, he's almost definitely not going to be as mobile in the game, and the Bengals in the games they've played against them with Lou. Amaruno, I think their defensive coordinator's mm. name's pronounced. I'll get I'll get Cameron to c- confirm the pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, they they keep Mahomes. Mahomes averages two less throws from outside the pocket against the Bengals than he does against anyone else. Now sample size and all that comes into play there, but the Bengals are probably going to keep him within the pocket. So. It might not change a ton about how the Chiefs are going to play the game because the way the Bengals are going to scheme them up. But I think it's going to be a fascinating game because with Mahomes fully healthy, I think it would have been a really close game. Without Mahomes fully healthy and a Chiefs defense that I don't think is built to slow the Bengals down, I like the Bengals could score too many points. Yes. We're creeping into the preview rather than review. Oh. Um what about the Jacksonville Jaguars though in this? Like that for me, the, the Chiefs were flawless on offense in the sense, you know, there was no sacks allowed, no interceptions, no fumbles. It was clean and it was lovely and clean. Do you know what? That team stepped up and they protected their quarterback. For the Jags, how big of a missed opportunity was this? Like, was this a real chance for them to get into like all the way through to the champions, obviously a championship game? Could they have ended up getting themselves into the Super Bowl because up against the Bengals, I feel like that team could have actually done some damage. No, in Cincinnati. No? No. No. I don't I don't think so. I think the Jags going as far as they are for what they've achieved this year. Um, I, I do think that they were a bit conservative in the game. And I think if you're Doug Peterson, you're going to think, mm, maybe we could have taken a shot a bit earlier. But ultimately they have improved so much that you've got to, you don't want to have, you know, some sort of pride in defeat because it's a bit of a weird one to sort of take into the off season, but nobody, it's not like nobody expected anyone, you know, the, the Jags to get to the championship game and nobody really expected the Jags to, to get, to get to the divisional round. I think there was some people suggesting that they could win the division. I think, including on this podcast, I can't remember who. Uh, possibly Gordon. I think, I He's smiling. I, I'm pretty sure it was me and Ian. I think both of us called the. Jaguars. I will yeah. open the predictions as and, you're chattering. And it was worst to that's worst to first. And they were the don't, number one. They've been the number one pick twice. Don't so. open the predictions because. Oh no no no! We've we've already touched on the predictions <laughs> uh, on the Christmas <laughs> quiz. <laughs> um, so. Do you know what? The, the, the Jags are, are certainly in a position whereby they can do really consistently uh, in the AFC South and be in this round for the next two or three years. There's no reason why not. But the Kansas City Chiefs are cut above them. The right team is in the championship the, game. The, the fumble was just the killer. At the end. They, they, had a, they had a chance to come back in that game and they might have done it if not been for the Jamal Agnew fumble. Yeah. Uh, what, the five-yard line at the end? But the, the Jaguars are fine going forward. Um, the, I think the big thing as well you take from the Jaguars is if you look at where they are just now, the fact that they cut ties with Urban Meyer when they did gives them as much time with Trevor Lawrence and his rookie contract with an actual capable coach, which is really smart. 
if you look at that roster, we're, we're going to talk about this probably more than once tonight about roster depth and what have you. I think that the Jags will be happy, not happy to go out, but they'll have been happy to made it where they made it to, right? Um, with the squad that they've got, you know, obviously Trevor Lawrence, we heard so much about him. That was his second year. We hear about the sophomore slump. He's definitely stepped up this year. That's great. Travis Etienne um, has come back. His basically his first season. He's had a great year after what could have been uh, a career damaging injury. But you look at that receiving core and the like. The performances of Zay Jones and Christian Kirk performing way higher than I think anybody would have attributed. You know, Marvin Jones, Evan Engram. And then the other guys contributing are Jamichael Hasty and Jam- uh, Jamal Agnew. Agnew, by the way, one of the most scintillating returners in the NFL at the moment. But it feels like, you know, they've got Calvin Ridley coming in. The Jacksonville Jags obviously get the, t- the 25th picks overall. They can go and get another weapon for Trevor Lawrence, right? And if they could go and pick up an exciting young, young receiver to add to that, they can go into free agency probably, have a bit of play there. If, if this feels like not, a, not in this free agent class, they can. Well, maybe not, but um, no. it still feels like there's there's opportunity for them to do some stuff, right? This is if they're easily the fan, best. Ro- they're the best roster in the AFC South. I think we touched on it last week, the week before. So, but this is what, they're the best roster, but they're not that great. Like, yeah, but they, they they've got a good coach and that, and they've got a franchise quarterback now. Which are they a better? So I think roster? I think that that lifts you up. If you've got a quarterback you can rely on, which we probably would suggest that Lawrence can be relied on now, apart from four picks of the first half against the Chargers. Um, I think they, they've built a team around him as an individual. He's he's not got superstars around him, but he's got a good running back, and he's got players who a guy who can play in the slot. He's got a guy out wide when in Ridley when he comes back, and he's got a coach. He's got a Super Bowl winning coach who can scheme up for him. So you know, and they've got. A couple of number one picks in there. So there's no reason why they cannot win that division three or four years in a row because the Titans are, you know, in in no man's land. The Colts need a quarterback and there's no guarantee that they're right, going to make so, the right decision. And then the Texans so are shit. Your Packers are, are basically... Um, what has this got to do with Green Bay? They are tarting out... Uh, Aaron Rodgers, and they are looking for two first-round picks as the news tonight, and they are only willing to give him to an AFC team. With the fourth overall pick, I think the Colts could come in and go, there you go, we'll take Aaron Rodgers off your hands. Thanks very much. I think that would immediately make them a better roster than the Jacksonville well, Jaguars. We said that last year with Matt Ryan, and we said that the year before with Carson Wentz, and we said that the year before They're that with Philip Rivers. Tre- They're not, none of them are Aaron Rodgers. Trevor Lawrence was a better quarterback this season than Aaron Rodgers was. So I don't I don't think you're right. Okay. The other look at look at that Jaguars roster though and look at what they did in draft last year. Uh, there's missed opportunities there. So at number 1 overall they took Trayvon Walker who everyone knew wasn't going to be great as a rookie, but Aiden Hutchinson was better on the edge as a rookie. Sauce Gardner looks like one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. So like there there definitely is they're nowhere near at the, like, as much as I think they're comfortably the best team in that division just now, no one's more than a couple of moves away from catching them. And the gap between them and the top of the AFC, I still think is enough that you're not, they're not going to be favorites to go to the Super Bowl or anything next year. Indeed. Uh, there's signs to be excited, though. 
your Jacksonville Jack fan. On to the next game for the NFC first game. Um, the Eagles absolutely decimated the New York Giants. Uh, we talked about rosters and teams being in positions where they would be surprised to find themselves. I think that the Giants would have found themselves surprised to be where they were. Um, didn't necessarily have high expectations of beating the Eagles, but did you expect to have it quite as easy, Ian? Well, I would counter that and say that it's quite a lot of the Giants, not, not our Giants fans, because our Giants fans are highly intelligent and highly studious uh, fans of the NFL. But a lot of the chat in the States was the Giants were very confident they were going to beat the Eagles. Um, there was a, a clip going around of uh, uh, an interviewer going around asking all the the Giants fans, who's the worst or who's the most overrated player in the NFL? And they're all saying Jalen Hurts. They're all saying he's rubbish. He's going to get found out. And um, I, I think they might have been a bit too cocky. The, the Eagles played a, a very vanilla offense against them in the second game of the season between the two. They didn't look, the Eagles didn't look great, but they were resting injured players. They weren't wanting to tip their hand with what they were going to do in the playoffs. And they put together a very good game plan. The their offensive line was absolutely superb. Uh, the the game the previous game in the, the regular season they were terrible, but they were superb in this game and um the Eagles just got off to such a good start that the Giants tried to play catch up and with the defensive line that the Eagles have got, you can't do that. They'll pass rush you to death. And can I just say it was, it, really was... Good, it, was, it was really good to see Josh Sweat back in the field after getting carted off like a serious neck injury a couple of weeks and he's back playing again. So it was good to see see him back. Yes, uh, absolutely. On the the thing for the Giants as well, that, uh, this very much was like the, the ceiling of what their season was capable of being, I think. I, I don't think... I, I don't think they had it in them to beat either of the um, winning NFC teams this week. I don't think they would have beat the 49ers. I mean, Cameron would have picked the 49ers to lose them, but um <laughs> but but the the thing that would if I was a Giants fan right now, I would be a little bit nervous that they view Daniel Jones as the long term option. He's had two good games against the Vikings. So he's been all right, but he's that's basically it. He's had two good games against the Vikings as a passer. The rest of it, he's a middle tier quarterback. And Brian Dable's been brilliant, but what can you do? I mean, Jamie on our chat has talked about the Giants potentially being one of the four or five worst rosters in the division. If you play above your potential, then kudos to you. But the fact remains that Daniel, I said at the start of the season, before Daniel Jones had this upswing in form, he has done nothing during his time in New York to suggest that they should extend his contract. Has he done enough this year to suggest that they should give him a new deal? It's debatable. For for the right price. Like if, yes. if you could if it's you want to franchise him, really, do you? No. No, you don't. Sixteen million, two year deal per sixteen he's million not, per year. But he's not gonna take that. Why wouldn't he? Because what's he gonna get elsewhere? I think, offered, I think I, I who's think who's up for no more. I think that there are, are enough crap teams who would take Daniel Jones. Ah, oh, but I don't think anyone's given him more than sixteen million. Like, who's who's with the like with some it's of the a difficult market though, isn't it? There's quite yeah, a few. There's, there's quite a few quarterbacks, quarterbacks on coming map. onto the market, and then you've got the the draft class. So he's done himself no harm whatsoever. 
but I mean, you've got you've got two guys in San Francisco that you could go get and stuff like that. Um, there's, I think there's so many quarterbacks on the market. I think the the Giants could wise move this and offer them a reasonable, respectable deal that's decent money, not sell the house and say to him, right, let's um, let's go twice. And let's see exactly what you're capable of. My nipples really are shooting tonight. Um, so the thing for me that's more interesting about the uh, the Giants is Saquon Barkley. And the fact that he's turned down, it looks like the first offer. Is he going to move on? Because it feels like in that roster as it stands, he is by far the most explosive option. And I think we're we've potentially seen them fall off is when they've not been able to get him into the game. And that's exactly what the Eagles did, right? They stopped Barkley. They weren't able to get him. Stop Daniel Jones running. <laughs> right, fine. The Giants are now going to struggle. The, the, the Giants cannot, and they might, but the Giants cannot in their position in terms of trying to build a team. They, they can't hand out, they can't make him the highest paid running back in the NFL, which they might. Like it just, and he's great. He's great fun to watch. I get it, but you need to upgrade at the quarterback position. You're going to really struggle to upgrade at the quarterback position if you hand him what eighteen million a year or something that you because he, apparently he's turned down what turned down like fourteen, fifteen, something like that. Here's a question, and this is one for Gordon, and I'm slightly being a bit of a bullshitter here, given he was picked number two, and given the way that. Certainly, you you value quarterback uh, running backs, and given the way that he's played this year, should we say that he was a bust? No, I don't. Was I he don't a bust so. pick at number two? Uh, no, I don't. Th- no, I don't think he was, because I think it's unfair. Like it's not his fault that he was picked second, and or in injured. terms of like, yeah, and in terms of his performance relative to other running backs. You know, like he's been he's been good enough there when he's been healthy. It's just, it, it's just really tough to to. And, but this is this goes back to like wh- why the Giants were in position to hire a new head coach and a new general manager this off season because the old general manager was someone who drafted a running back at number two overall. The the, the problem is if he leaves, then you're rebuilding that whole offensive system, in my view. Because how do you replace him? Uh, you, you could potentially get Josh Jacobs for slightly less money in free agency if the Raiders don't tag him. Just draft one in the fourth round or the second round or the third <laughs> round. They're, they're, this this is the thing about the NFL that... At, uh, but as a rookie, I think that's a difficult one because Barkley is four seasons in and has got that nouse that comes with being a running back in the NFL, being able to see the hole, being able to make that impact that you don't necessarily see from rookie running backs. I, and I, I do wonder, that the, the Giants are in a really weird position because they're ahead of where they thought they would be, but now they've got probably their two most important players and they have to either extend one of them or both of them or neither of them. If they want, if they want a running back, and they're obsessed with the idea of that first round type of running back, they might get the Texas kid, Bijan Robinson. Robinson. 
Like now, he because he's going to be the guy this year who everyone's going to be talking about. Because the idea of a running back in the top ten, I think, has gone away. I think we've got away from that in the NFL. But Robinson, I think, will still be a first round pick. And I'm not. I don't hate the idea of him being a first round pick because he's really good. And if you're the Bills picking at the end of the first round, like I can see how you can look at that and go, okay, the little extra we can squeeze out of our offense with this guy in there. Also, like I don't hate a round back in the second round and stuff like that, but like I, I really have a hard time looking at the Giants and saying, yeah, we're going to give Barkley. 16 and a half million a year because that's more than what Christian McCaffrey has got. Is he worth more than McCaffrey? No. Um, I, I, and <laughs> is, Christian, is Christian McCaffrey worth 16 million a year? <laughs> is, you're worth how much someone wants to pay for yeah, you. Yeah, like, there you I, go. I, I also, like, I kind of hate this. I kind of hate the discussion around this stuff because at the end of the day, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley are guys who run the ball two to 300 times a year. They take a bunch of big hits. They're going to, when they get in their fifties and sixties, they're going to struggle to walk as well, all that stuff. So yeah. I'm really, yeah. I'm really glad when those players get 15, 16 million. I just, from well, a team I build, think, I think team we build dis- perspective, wouldn't want my team to do it. Did we not discuss this previously, Gordon? We said they should make a rule NFL that um, when a running back gets drafted, he actually on the rookie salary scale, he actually gets a percentage increase over the other players in the the the, the draft, the other positions, just because of the fact that 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 position is so heavily utilised but underfinanced compared to others. I think that's fair. Like give give running backs like an extra twenty percent on the salary scale just to compensate them, because you're it's one of those positions where they go, I'm, I'm not paying a veteran. I'm just going to draft somebody in the sixth round. Yeah, it's it's fascinating the way um, teams approach it, and like the flip side of the McCaffrey thing. And McCaffrey, the 49ers have got the absolute upper um, limit. I don't know what of that trading his contract so far you look at the a game we're going to talk about later on the the guy who was drafted in the top five got a massive contract currently makes 15 million dollars a year and played center in the last snap of that game and was terrible <laughs> so that was that was one of the worst contrived end of game let's Make something up, please. I've ever seen him a puff. <laughs> it was going just nowhere straight away. Yeah, but let's pile, let's let's talk about that game because we we want to dig into Cameron before, and his whole nervous system over the course of that time. Before we before we do running back contracts, so Barkley is a rookie hitting free agency for the first time. Where do you think uh, he currently ranks in average per year in the NFL salary wise among running backs? Oh, it'd be twentieth, ninth. But on a rookie deal, mm-hmm. it's and, oh, and to be fair. To be fair, I think that's probably like the final year of it. So his cap number, uh, yeah, his cap number, his rookie year was five point six million. Then it was seven million. Then it was eight point five, and then ten, and then this year it was seven point two. So they should just franchise tag him because the salary is not going to go up for him, basically. 
It's going to go that, to about 10 million. They need to wait and see what uh, Green Bay do with Aaron Jones. It would be... <laughs> so it would. it's what franchises the average of the top five at the position, isn't it? So that's yeah. like yeah. McCaffrey. You would get to... Yeah, if Elliot gets cut, then you would probably get two above 15 million and then three around about 12. You'd probably get him around about 14 million. Yeah. Which isn't an, an, an unreasonable offer. Like, I don't think he can argue... You look at McCaffrey's output. Barclays hasn't been the same. Um, no, but it, it's but it's also it's when you become a free agent. That's just how it works. Yes, like, indeed, it's also, indeed, it's also indeed, the fact indeed. that once you, once you go past twenty five when you're a running back, then all that the, so much trends taken off your tires. If you've if you've still got guaranteed money past age twenty five, teams are very very wary about that because that's when running backs start to fall apart. I think there's there's some really interesting running backs due to hit free agency this year. Um, obviously, I, I don't think Tony Tony Pollard will get anywhere near it. Um, I think he'll get snapped up. David Montgomery is an interesting one for me because I wonder whether the Bears go, we don't actually need to invest heavily in a running back because of Justin Fields. Anyway, we're getting into postseason chat. Yeah, please don't. I think there's, no, no, no. We want to talk about Zeke and we want to talk about the Dallas Cowboys cocking it up and ruining your <laughs> pick six. There's a game that we need to get to before we get to that because before we got to the Cowboys, I thought we'd already talked about the Bengals. We had the snow game. We haven't talked about the Bills and the fact that in their Mm. own home where they're not building a dome because the snow suits them, it really didn't. Um, And and ultimately, the Bengals came out flying and that was an easy... It never felt like the Bills were getting back into that game. Bengals, Bengals annihilated them, and is I picked the Bills just purely to try and catch up with Jamie in the pick'em. So congratulations, Jamie, and absentia. Well done. Um, <laughs> that didn't work. Um, the Cincinnati, I the thing I found really fascinating and really impressive was that they've lost three of their offensive line starters, and there was never a suggestion. Never a suggestion that Joe Burrow was in trouble. Now, I've read that, oh, the snow slowed down the pass rush. Fine. Works both ways, if that's the case. Because Josh Allen was in all sorts of bother all afternoon. And Buffalo never got going at all. And I think that there was an inkling that the, the Bills have not been quite right since the the, the DeMar Hanlon game. And they've just they've just been a little bit off. I mean, they, they won a couple of weeks ago against the Patriots with two kick returns. So... You know, they were at home, but I just never saw any suggestion that they were going to be able to compete after that first quarter. So, I mean, Cincinnati, for me, are favourites when they go to Kansas City this week. They, they were that good. Yeah, they, they definitely are with, especially with the Mahomes um, question mark there and stuff as well. Well, I, I think you're probably right. So I thought about the Bills thing a little bit and, like, there's obviously correlations with what happened with Christian Eriksen in Denmark at the Euros. And maybe I'm creating this in my head, but I seem to remember in the immediate aftermath, I think I, I think they lost that game. They lost to Finland the next game. The, the game yeah. they finished. But then they had like a great big win. And then but then eventually like the um the kind of emotion of stuff wears you down a little bit. I think we saw with the Ukrainian national football team, like after them absolutely battering Scotland in their first game after all the conflict and stuff there the emotion of everything then eventually weighed them down and started to impact their performances. So I think that's probably true for the Bills. And I saw the the GM, Brandon Bean, apparently said something to the team today or yesterday along the lines of, 
no team in the NFL has ever had to like go through what you've gone through this season. And I think that's that's probably fair. I I also the, don't the, think uh, the Lions kind of the Lions kind of did with Mike Utley. That was yeah, that was quite quite emotional. That's not um, that's not a criticism of you, Gordon. That's a criticism of the Bills. Well, no, what I was, yeah, what, hyperbole. What I was going to say as well is that, like, all that being said, like, I don't think we should take away from the Bengals. Really good. They they, they, they played brilliantly. Yeah, Joe Burrow got the ball out really quickly as well. Like that and offense, the, the, and the Bills were missing Von Miller. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, but. Joe Burrow's playing incredibly well just now. They, as a as a Ravens fan, I'm incredibly jealous of the fact they've got Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase all on rookie contracts right now. Like that's a little bit unfair, um, in my in my humble opinion. The only thing that I cannot stand about this Bengals team is, especially in the wake of what happened with Demar Hamlin, this playing up that like everyone in the NFL is entirely against them and the refunds thing and like the Bengals sold tickets for the AFC championship game against the Jaguars that they're refunded just now as well. Like it that's the part that I was a bit like I, I don't like I don't like that. Like just be really good. But the counter to that I suppose is that is kind of their edge as a team and it has been over the last two seasons. You know, people don't believe in the Bengals. People thought the Ravens would win that division this year. You know, once they got into the playoffs, people still put Buffalo and Kansas City ahead of them. The NFL figured out all these things. And sometimes in sport, you, you know, athletes obviously are the Michael Jordan. And I took that personally thing is they, they need that little edge that they build up against themselves. It's like the Seahawks for so long. And I've moaned about it loads where there was a point where they had the chip on their shoulder because people doubted them. But then there was a point where they still had the chip on their shoulder when nobody was doubting them. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, people are talking you up all the time when you're playing this. We're getting doubted every week. You're really not. And I think that it's got similar vibes to that. Yeah. Time to move on from it, Cincinnati. Focus on the Chiefs. If you win... Do it because of what you did on the field, not because of what anyone's done to you off it. Any perception that you're being hard done to or anything like that. It was, um, yeah, uh, I uh, I won't name names. Uh, there's a Bengals fan of mine talking, uh, Bengals fan friend of mine talking repeatedly about how the NFL were just not even clearly... Uh, hiding their bias and wanting the Bills to win because the narrative was great and stuff like that. And I never saw any of that nonsense. Nothing at all. Just look so at that... the NFL's own social media account. Like, it was, it's heavily praised the Bengals since. The other thing as well, and I follow a lot of Bengals um, fans. I've got a lot of people at my work who are Bengals fans. The They were very upset and claiming that, like, the officials were against them in this game. I thought the officials had three really tough calls in the game. And I think by the letter of the law, I think they got them all right. The Joe Mixon one, despite the fact that you couldn't, you couldn't actually, they could have said, oh, there's not enough evidence to overturn this because you don't see the ball. They were smart enough to go, look, look at these players, look where Mixon is. He's over the line. Let's call this touchdown. So they got that right. The Jamar Chase one might be a horrible, horrible rule. Milano rips it out. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not it, by the letter of the law. It was a great play by Milano. Brilliant play. play by Milano. And then uh, there was a, there was a third one. I think it was. Uh, oh, it was the um, the Josh Allen one, where again everyone was like, "Oh, there's not enough evidence to overturn the fumble." The 
ball is moving slightly forward. The arm is. Yeah. And that it one one frame's all they need. So the officials, I think, did a really good job in that game. Who would have thought fans would have tinted spectacles? Eh? <laughs> um, why did the Bills struggle so much? Uh, two questions. Why did they struggle so much more in the snow? And two, did the snow enhance the game? Negatively it did nothing the game, to the game. Or had no, no impact. It did, did nothing, nothing to the They would have still lost the game by 10, 15 points. It, it had no I'm impact saying- on the result. I'm not you, saying you, you went in you went in with a sort of utopian vision that it was going to be Cincinnati 38, Buffalo 31 shootout. Sorry, it was a I thought it was a compelling game. I thought the first I thought the first 25 minutes was brilliant in the fact that it was a team putting on a clinic. I, I thought how the Bengals slowed down the Bills as well. Like they're they're mm. I don't understand how Lou Amaruno is not getting more. Uh, hype for head coaching jobs just now because he's done a great job in Cincinnati for two seasons now and it's not that they don't have talented players they do uh, but it's a lot of kind of mid-level free agent guys that they've brought in and kind of mid to later round rookies that have turned into really um, really good players there I thought Cam Taylor Brett did a great job in coverage for them Hilton was terrific Hilton's Hilton's so good as well and it was really interesting if you go back to the wildcard game he didn't play much in the for most of the game against the Ravens because the Ravens don't go out with three wide receivers and he's the nickelback. And then, despite the fact that he probably only played a handful of snaps, he still had a couple of huge tackles in the running game when the Ravens put out a formation that allowed him to get in the field. So, fun player. They're, they're a very, very fun defense. And their defense is going to cause some problems for the Chiefs because the Chiefs, without Tyreek Hill... It's going to allow the Bengals to focus a little bit on Kelsey. Get physical. Um, you still, you'll still concede 100 yards, but just <laughs> disrupt them. Disrupt them. Um, fine. Okay, let's get on to the final game then. As we close things off, I backed against. I thought, genuinely thought that the Cowboys had a strong enough roster. I, The Cowboys were my Super Bowl, I like, that's who I was tipping for the Super Bowl. I generally thought they had a really strong chance at it. The Tony Pollard injury definitely knocked them off their sink, but knocked them probably more off their sink than it probably should have. Um, ultimately, the Niners won through. This was a game of the defences. It was defensive plays that, again, was the difference between the two sides, and the Niners stepped up on it. Defensive plays and horrible final plays that people are still trying to figure out what even was the game plan. Like there was some weird screen for Lamb over on the right-hand side, but then dump it over the middle to Elliot and like, what the hell? Um, and An entertaining game. I, I feel invested. My heart rate was 120 the whole way watching it, and then it spiked at certain points. Was it an entertaining game because of the defensive uh, matchup or... Compelling. It was Couple, right. yeah, compelling. Compelling is probably the right word. When you look Couple at when you look really... at both when you look at both teams, if you were to say which unit is better on the San Francisco team, which unit is more consistent and ultimately the better unit, you would you would argue it's the defense. Yes, the, the best defense in the in, in the league. And you would argue, argue and you would it. say the same thing about Dallas. You can't yeah. trust the Dallas offense. Yeah, and the two defenses showed up, and the two offenses, well, the one that did okay. Managed to win. Yeah. Simple as that. And that. Yeah. 
And that, that for me is the concern if you're San Francisco next week, going to Philadelphia, because Philadelphia appear to be back to pretty much the way they were at the start of the year. Although, you know, they were playing a compromised Giants team to a certain extent. And I do wonder whether San Francisco can keep up with Philadelphia, because actually, you know, that San Francisco's offense is 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 terrific and it has been terrific, but I don't think they've played a really good team yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna have the same a similar rant to what I had last week. If the Cowboys had lost this game by going for two and not getting it, or going for a fourth down and not making it, that's all people would have talked about the day after. Fourth and ten, two minutes eleven seconds to go on their own eighteen yard line, and they punted the ball back to the 49ers, down seven. They then get the ball back with 45 seconds to go on their own six-yard line. There's There was no good reason to punt that ball. They like you Having timeouts is a, a further reason to go for it because you're still going to get the opportunity. If the 49ers score, they're going to probably score a field goal quickly. You then get the ball back. You can try those things. Like giving the ball back to let the 49ers take another minute and a bit off the clock led to I'm not even going to call it one of the worst plays in NFL history because it was one of the funniest like what <laughs> like, you know, it's like that uh, Indianapolis Colts um, punt that wasn't a punt do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. I, I also don't like I, I I understand what they were trying to do I think it's you know you get Zeke to snap the ball Dak throws it quickly and then you immediately have you know they were setting up for like a kind of rugby style of things the, just, the execution was horrendous like you have to get that ball out quicker. Your receiver has to be able to be pitching that back quicker. Like the mm. whole thing was a mess. Got to give credit to a couple of really uh, eye-catching catches. Yeah, it's the word catch twice in the same sentence. That's not good. But C.D. Lamb, uh, ultimately, it wouldn't. he didn't need to catch the ball because the pass interference meant that the ball would be in place in any way. But my word, what a catch it was. Uh, and then obviously the the juggling catch by George Kettle, which was huge, absolutely massive. Again, George Kettle has had a proper return to form under Brock Purdy, which is which is great to see. Um, that aside, there wasn't a lot on offense here for either team. Like you know, it, McCaffrey, we talked about thirty five yards, finally got the touchdown, but was pretty much. Bottled up. Actually, it was Elijah Mitchell that had more carries and yards. Caffrey's calf, I think, giving him a bit of jip at one point, so was taking out the game a little. Question marks will be asked. Dalton Schultz obviously started the game really strongly, didn't do much after that. Um, they lost Tony Pollard to injury. We talked about Elliot, 10 carries for 26 yards is eesh, not a good performance from what is a very expensive running back. Lots of knicker wetting. Jersey burning antics coming out of Dallas around Dak Prescott. Um, just, just Dallas, isn't it? I mean, he had he had he had four he had four touchdowns the week before and a rushing touchdown. He had the bit, you know, they broke a hoodoo the week before. And now he's useless. So that's Dallas. I loved uh, I loved Skip Bayless's <laughs> one where you can actually see him like hiding. So he's hiding behind the fridge, getting someone to film him, and he comes out and he. Just looks so like oh, he's tutting away at himself. Just <laughs> awful. Uh, Ian, did you enjoy seeing 
the Cowboys lose? Were you which team would you have preferred to face? Obviously, I would have rather have had the Giants. I'll be honest. Um, out of the Cowboys and the Niners, would you have rather have had San Francisco, or would you rather have been facing Dallas this week? I think maybe the Cowboys. I think. Um... Other than Mika Parsons, I think that Dallas defense kind of flatters to deceive a fair bit. Um, and I think um, San Francisco is going to give a really kind of difficult matchup um, with the run game against the Eagles. So I think be a lot closer, I think, than it would have been perhaps against the Cowboys, especially with the emotions getting into it, the fact you're playing your biggest rival at home in the championship game. Bit of breaking news tonight. For the San Francisco 49ers, Charles Amenehu arrested. Yep. For misdemeanor um, domestic violence. Here's domestic a question violence Do you thing. play him at the weekend? You absolutely do not. You do not let him anywhere near it. He has been arrested for a misdemeanor uh, irrelevant. It's domestic violence arrest. He shouldn't be anywhere near it. I don't think he will be anywhere near it. Um, and I think that the because of what's happened in San Francisco with previous players with very similar things, they won't go anywhere near that. Um, obviously, with these situations, you know, innocent until proven guilty, all that jazz. But in this situation, with something like that, you just don't even play them. You don't touch it. No, shouldn't be anywhere near the team until that's all sorted out. Um, and if he's found guilty and has done what he's been arrested for, he should be ejected from the 49ers. I, I think there should be a zero tolerance on that myself. Um, so yeah, young guy who's been playing well, irrelevant, doesn't matter. You you get into that sort of nonsense. You got to be smarter than that, uh, and an example needs to be set to every single player. So I hope that the Niners do not play him, even if it does ultimately cost us a little bit because he, he genuinely has contributed a lot to this team, uh, an important player uh, as a defensive end. So yeah, you don't play him. Um, Brock Purdy seven wins unbeaten. I think. Am I right in saying that that's the second best unbeaten start to a rookie quarterback? Ben Roethlisberger went thirteen games. Did he not unbeaten? Yep, that's correct. Or thereabouts. Is and then lost, and then lost in the championship game. Then lost in the championship game. Um. There's lots of rumours circulating around the San Francisco Bay Area about the Niners trading away Trey Lance and all that jazz. I think we're a bit early to be talking about that. Um, I think that, uh, to your point about this is the first team, first good team that we've played, I think the Cowboys are the first really good team that we've played. And I think that Purdy showed some good and some bad. Um, And I think that he didn't turn the ball over which is important, and he needs to make sure that he doesn't do that against Philadelphia to have any chance. But it's a tough game against the Eagles this weekend. Uh, and obviously, you all know I'm back in against because that's well, of course. how I am. Of course. How I am. I expect nothing. I expect nothing. So, um, But it's it, it, it's the early game. I think it it's one of those games that will either be really, really good because both teams on both sides of the ball are decent, or it'll be a total blowout in one team's favour. I, I really don't know. Um, I think the battle in the trenches, the battle in the trenches when the 49ers have the ball is going to be really interesting. I think you've got mm. Trent Williams, who has been the best tackle in football since arriving in San Francisco. Um, the 49ers have talented running backs. 
they've got talented pass catchers that don't need to be, you know, they can do damage short and force people to miss and all that stuff. But the this Eagles defensive line's like eight players deep. It's stupid. Like it, yeah. Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat that Ian mentioned earlier on. Like it's just a team that are loaded um on the defensive line. And there was a a video with Jalen Hurts, like the, the he was giving the post game kind of speech. Brandon Brandon Graham, who's a defensive end, he's a big guy. Um, Jalen Hurts standing beside him, they're giving the post game speech. And then the camera just pans slightly to the left, and there's Jordan Davis standing behind them, and he's towering over both of them, looking like effectively a. a a henchman for a Bond baddie or some sort of ridiculous cartoon enemy in Ben 10 or whatever. He just doesn't look like a human being. He looks like a monstrosity that's been um, cobbled together from the imagination of some sort of evil genius. It was hilarious <laughs> seeing him there. And he's somebody that doesn't get on the field that much because there's Hargreave and Cox um, and Sue and Linval Joseph. Uh, it's a ridiculously deep defensive line, and I think it's going to be a predominantly a five-man defensive line against the Forty ers I think it's going to be a very heavy bare front that they're going to employ, and they're going to dare Forty uh, ers to pass against them. And the, the the pass rush for the Eagles. I'm looking at the numbers just now. So, Hassan Reddick had in the right, and this is just the regular season, had 18 sacks. Josh Sweat had 13. Brandon Graham had 13. Javon Hargrave had 11. Fletcher Cox had 8. They've got five guys that had 8 or more sacks this season. It's it's unreal. It's unreal. Uh, and against uh, a rookie quarterback that tends to like to break out and run to his left, they'll figure that out pretty quick. And they'll hunt him down. So it's going to... the. the the only way the Niners win this is if the 49ers offensive line has an absolute day. Here we go. In my view. We are rubbish. Don't have, we don't deserve no, to be there. Not true. That's we're not what pish. I'm saying. Uh, that's we're going to lose by 30 points. The, I never the, said that. The, flips, the flip side to everything I've just said about the Eagles defensive front, though, is that San Francisco have got some absolute game changers there. Nick Bosa... Yep probably going to be the defensive player of the year and the 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 player we didn't talk about when we we're talking about this week's game when we talk about uh on the offensive side running backs being devalued there's been a lot of talk around linebackers and off-ball linebackers being devalued and you don't want to spend too much on an off-ball linebacker and uh we saw Roquan Smith get 20 million a year that was topping what Fred Warner got Fred Warner had a play in this game that shows why for the maybe four linebackers who are great in coverage in the NFL, you probably have to justify paying them that much because they allow you to do different things. Fred Warner lined up in what's called like a, a mug look, whereby he's like an inside linebacker that is almost on the line of scrimmage because it looks like he's blitzing. Outside the offensive line on the other side is C.D. Lamb lined up in the slot. The ball snaps... Warner bails the other way and covers C.D. Lamb stride for stride 30 yards down the field or just shy of 30 yards down the field. Now, the ball still got there just and C.D. Lamb couldn't quite bring it in, but it was the fact that Warner forced it to have to be a perfect throw that 
meant that it wasn't it was kind of a little bit lower because he had to try and get it past him and he was kind of getting enough contact on CD Lamb to make it very difficult to catch that was why that didn't get caught and he had an interception in another play ridiculous coverage linebacker and also a, a linebacker who's fast enough that if you're against a quarterback who can cause you some problems uh, as a runner Fred Warner Dre Greenlaw are the type of linebackers who can help slow that down this, this is going to be a fascinating game from uh, like watching how defenses are scheming against the offense perspective. Ian, who's winning this game? Well, definitely the 49ers. The Eagles aren't good enough. We've not been good enough all season. I'm probably going to be <laughs> backing against them. I don't even need to ask Cameron who he thinks is winning the game. Uh, yeah, obviously. Honest. I think the other way. I Take think the other way. Um, it's it, You're right, though, like, Gordon. I feel like the there's a lot of exciting players... This feels like it feels like Greenlaw and Warner are Bowman and Willis. Like they are as good. And if we go back to that team and you look at the defensive ends that we had at that point as well, the there was there wasn't really I'm trying to think Justin Smith was a particularly good player. But there wasn't necessarily a great other standout. I don't think on that defensive line. It was good players, but did you know nobody have, that really stood out? Um, uh, the the kid from Mississippi that had m- multiple alcohol issues. Um, the other Missouri, Smith, Alden Smith. Yeah, Alden, Alden Smith. Smith from Missouri. Smith, yeah. yeah. Um, so Alden Smith was around at that point. He was twenty two. I think his was rookie year or later. His rookie year was incredible. He he was there. His rookie season was incredible. Um, Alden Smith wasn't there in 2012. Oh, no, uh, he was. But he was a linebacker. He was a linebacker, not a defensive. He was an outside linebacker. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. They were a 3-4 at that point. Um, and, you know, it feels like a defense around that level, which is great. I think that, obviously, I mean, Brock Purdy's going to have to play a game of his life. If we can knock Hurts off his game, then there's a chance that the defense can spoil. Um, I, I generally think it, it could go either way. It could go either way. I will be back in the Eagles. I do think the Eagles will win. I don't go into expecting anything. The Eagles are the favorites. They're the number one seed. We're going to Philadelphia. Great. Do you know what? I'm happy to be in the championship game again. It'll be what it'll be. I look forward to our Super Bowl in 2024. Um, until then, we'll uh, we'll take what we can get. Definitely 2024, um, not 2025. Well, so it's the 2020, uh, so it'll be one in 2025, but it's the 2024 season. If you want to roll it to 2026, Cameron, you might as well. I don't, because at that Skip. point, I think Christian will be done. So I think the McCaffrey's last. Oh, you're on first name terms is, with him now, are you? Oh, yeah. I think Christian's got a couple more seasons in him. I think 2024 season is where he really, that's, that's his. We put McCaffrey in the MVP conversation. He's too old as a running back. There's no way, and he's still getting it done. I think that's the types of conversations we'll be having. Cameron's an old, an old school type of fan. He addresses players by the religion. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've been prattling on for a while. We didn't do the awards this week. Um, I. I'll be honest, in all of the event shenanigans, I completely forgot to set that up, so that's on me. So I'll take the Bowfin Award this week. Extra, extra whiskey to give away on Sunday. There's going to, listen, there's going to be a lot of whiskey to give away <laughs> on Sunday, so come along. Do come along to our event. Check out our social 
social media for all the information there and how you can get tickets. But let's call the full-time whistle then for episode 220 of Shramash. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this and every single episode and make sure that you engage on social media. We love to read all the comments. Keep them coming. Get online. Get tickets. Come and join us on Sunday. We're having a party. This was... Listen, let's just get pissed and watch the football, right? Let's just do that. So come through to the Golf Tavern in Edinburgh. Let's have it. Let's enjoy it. There's only three games of the season left to go. Let's embrace every single bloody one of them. And the golf will be open until the better bloody end. We'll see you there. But until then, bye for now. (laughs)